Hello and welcome to the Journey to the Heart podcast. My name is Torn Lokes. I'm a singer-songwriter from the Yukon Territory, Canada, and my current mission is to paddle a canoe across America from the Pacific to the Atlantic Ocean while learning more about what happiness, community, connection, self-empowerment, as well as finding and living your passions and dreams means to different people I meet along the way. Okay, update on my journey so far. After a great visit with Chris Alguero in Longview, I paddled up through Rainier, Oregon to Prescott Park, where I met and visited with the wonderful camp hosts, George and Debbie. The current on the Columbia has become very powerful at times. With rough weather and headwinds, I need to know where and when I can paddle and when to wait it out. I had a humbling experience one day on this stretch when I paddled only 200 yards in 45 minutes of maximum effort before needing to return to my campsite. After Prescott Park, I paddled onward and stayed with a great host named Jacqueline in the beautiful little town of Kalama, Washington, for a couple days before reaching St. Helens. The people here in St. Helens are incredibly supportive and friendly, which has resulted in me playing a couple of great shows of music at the Big River Tap House right along the waterfront. Now I've been waylaid for the last couple weeks due to late spring and early summer flooding that has brought with it heavy currents and debris. Fortunately, I befriended the wonderful owners of the Big River Tap House, Randy and Marcy, who have been incredibly supportive of my journey in music and are currently hosting me while I wait for the river conditions to improve. The following is a conversation with Jesse Loggers. Along with being a big colorful personality and a passionate advocate of the Columbia River, Jesse and his partner Chin are professional entertainment pirates who up until recently lived for years on a wooden boat built in the 1930s. They are also keen advocates and supporters for the revitalization of communities and businesses in St. Helens. After a few beers, we all had a great late night conversation sharing stories about our roots, what it's like being a pirate, the Columbia River, boats, stories from where I'm from in the Yukon, the revitalization of towns, and staying true to yourself in this wild journey called life. Hope you enjoy and see you all down, or should I say up the river road. Hey Jesse. Hey. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing great. Yeah. Good. And so, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I am a professional pirate, uh, privateer, if you will. I have letters of mark from multiple areas that will absolutely pay me and my crew to be pirates. So, what is that? What What got you into that? What got you into being a uh... A pirate. So I started out actually being a stormtrooper, and I was a member of the 501st, which is a 5013C, the joke is not lost on anybody, um, about a non-profit charity group. And what, what we did is we showed up to a lot of like banquets and malls and birthdays and all sorts of like random holiday things and we showed up with a bunch of the empire's finest we showed up as stormtroopers we showed up as biker scouts we showed up as imperial officer and it had to be perfect the entire time they're very very strong regulations yeah, yeah. Before you get approved to be a member yeah. of the 500. Yeah, you apply for it. It has to be approved. It has to do all these other things. You have to make sure you have everything dialed in. Exactly. Yeah. They, they have to be perfect. 
Like, there's no room for error. It has to be perfect. And so I, I got past that, that stage. Everything else went on. And, uh, the more that I hung around with them, <laughs> yeah, like, we went to birthday parties, we went to all sorts of goofy stuff, and they're like, you're kind of the cut-up of all the stormtroopers. I'm like, well, yeah, because kids love it. Like, what are they like? Oh, we're all going to dress the same. We're going to be, like, taking a step the same way. We're all going to be marching the same way. Like, But then uh, you get you get one stormtrooper in the back that's, like, occasionally, like, give a little dance. Give a little head bop. Give a little yeah. shake. <laughs> and they're like, mm, we can't have that. I was like, what the fuck do you mean you can't have that? Like, that's not okay. Mm. Like, you need to have a little bit of fun with life. Yeah. Especially when you're doing something like that. Like, everyone expects you to be out of the movie, but you need to have a little fun with it. Absolutely. That's kind of the, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Like, that's kind of the whole point is to, it's not to only bring it front to everyone, but it's to bring it a little, like, break the norm. Just a hair. Not too much. Just enough to, like, you know, it's still entertainment, right? Yeah. And uh, so they're like, well, you can't do this. This is too much. Maybe you should go be a pirate. I said, like, what do you mean, go be a pirate? I'm like, well, oh, well, there's a local pirate troop in town. Uh, there's a lot of them. They dress up like pirates. They go out to bars. They drink heavily. And uh, they're just, they sing for their beers. And they're, they're just cut-ups the entire time. Here's their group name. It's like, oh. Cool. Can I keep the stormtrooper outfit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I still have it. I still wear it on occasion, just because you know why not. Um, but then I then I became a pirate, and that's how I met my partner. And uh, I just determined that I was uh, way better suited as a pirate than I was suited as a agent of the empire. <laughs> That's a much better way than I was about to say it. Thank you. Yes. Well, to put it into context, we met at the tap room. Yeah. Uh, in uh, St. Helens. Yeah. yeah. One of the tap rooms. One of the tap rooms. And yeah. uh, they walked in and I said, you guys look awesome. Came, sat down and proceeded to sing a bunch of sea songs, which yep. was awesome. And... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just really cool to see people doing things that bring them joy. So, I'm glad you bring it up, um, because like that's the that's the change that happened, right? Because I came from this idea that you had to dress a certain way, you had to be a certain thing, you had to look a certain part, you had to be approved by it, you had to go through all these steps. And then you had to do exactly what they told you to do to be able to have fun at what you're doing. 
And yeah. then the then the piracy side of the world like really really stove in. And it was like, hey, here's the history. Here's that. Here's this. Here's this. Here's that. And like for the Star Wars side of the world, it's all fake. Right? It's all movie magic. It's all fictitious. Like it's all made up. But on the pirate side of like side of the world, Hollywood did have a very big hit on how pirates talked or Errol Flynn or like you know Long Dong Silver all But that crap. there's that long, genuine history. Correct. And there's a huge history behind it, and you know like there's a huge history behind behind sea songs and. Behind the music and behind why and behind how people really got along and got overseas and got down rivers and got down all of these things. And so that history really hit with me in a way that just sunk in. It like connected. Yep. It connected the reality with the joy, that childlike joy. Exactly. And the mad and bringing those together can create a magical experience, and it really does. But I and I watch it happen a lot of the times. Like, I run a crew. We have twelve or thirteen of us. Depends on how many or how you count them. Yeah, depends on how you count them. Um, well, we'll we'll just decide. Like one day, we're like, hey, you know what? We're gonna dress like pirates. We're gonna go walk around this town, and we're going to walk around this, and we're just going to be pirates for the night. Chances are, most of the time, we don't have bar tabs, <laughs> because our bar tabs are paid from everybody else. So, like, do you know songs? Yes. But the songs that we sing are songs that were absolutely actively used at that time to do modern work aboard ships like it, they're not disney songs they're mm -hmm. songs that are Most actually well i mean we'll don't get me wrong we'll sing a disney song or two <laughs> yeah that's fun too yeah that's always fun right don't get me wrong but uh but we'll sing these songs of you know working people people that have actually worked for their lives literally figuratively for their lives that's all they've done. They don't want to join the Navy. They don't want to work, uh, you know, like a plantation. They don't want to do something else. Like, and they get forced into piracy. And a lot of Hollywood does a really good job about... Um, glorifying. Yeah, glorifying it. It's not, it's not a pretty time. For, yeah, there for were, anyone, <laughs> there was a lot of aspects of it that were really <laughs> there's, rough. There's nothing gritty, gritty about it. Mm. <laughs> like, it's um, and and Hollywood does a really bad job about being like everything's pretty about being a pirate. Like, no, literally <laughs> nothing is pretty about this. And there's a lot of brutal elements yeah. to it as well. Yeah. well and, and, and you grew up outside of Portland. Yeah. So Portland's one of those cities that was super dangerous. Yep. And 
still Portland has was absolutely dangerous holes and in barroom floors that connect to tunnels so that you drink too much you get shipped out on the next day yep you find yourself shanghai shanghai if you will yeah you find yourself without your boots without your pants without your clothes and you're aboard a ship your choices are swim to shore or work on the ship you were literally shanghaied into last night you were drinking at a bar today you're aboard a ship because a trap door in the floor I, I kid you not uh hobos cubers um what are the other bars that are in downtown chinatown i think those are the only two that are open still still have spots in the floor that as you're standing at the bar rail, that section of the floor can collapse and drop you into a chamber in which you were then shuffled off to a ship. You wake up in the morning, and now suddenly you're part of that crew. Whether you like it or not, your choices are you're already headed out to sea, crew the ship, swim to shore. That's it. Oh. So, uh, most people, like, you know, they think about the Caribbean for pirates. They think about the eastern, you know, shores and Florida and all that. Blackbeard. Yeah. One, a few of them have even heard of Calico Jack, who was a real pirate. They don't understand Mm. that uh, the West Coast had some of the most notorious pirates, but the longest sea voyages possible um and they and, and it just kind of are you are you referring to like going around cape horn to, yeah. get, <laughs> to get to the other side of the u.s yeah, and... yeah there was that because you know the panama canal wasn't made at that point so everything had to go across you know south america well i've always been fascinated by cape horn just because it's Ships don't go right. there anymore. No. It is so dangerous. Good lord. <laughs> it is so dangerous. And like that that voyage alone is so long. Yeah. Like um so we sing a song actually. Uh let me let me get into this. I'm gonna get really weird with Sean Morley. Um we sing a song about the Rio Grant. And people are like, don't you mean the Rio Grande? Like, the Rio is what separates Mexico and, you know, the United States. No. The Rio Grande is what we sing about. And the reason that a lot of sailors and a lot of pirates and a lot of everybody else sang about the Rio Grande is it's actually the only freshwater port at the end of... Uh, South America before you cross around Cape Horn and it's you bring in fresh water at that point you pull it onto the ship this is a long time before um, IPAs this is a long time before beer this is long which was normally you know brought aboard ships that was the only area that you could bring in fresh water on a reliable source and so they would sing about the Rio Grande, and then they would drag the ships around Cape Horn or around whatever else 
and they'd get onto the other side, and they'd sail up to Hawaii, they'd sail over to Japan, Singapore, the whole, that whole section of the world, but that was the last area that they could pull on fresh water. Uh, and so you've, you've been living on a boat for <laughs> quite some time, up until recently. Right. And how, how long was that, and what was the boat that you were on? Uh, go ahead. Depending on how you define the start of it, it's been about 10 to 12 years. And uh, she is a uh, 35-foot wooden boat. Uh, she's a... Cabin cruiser. She's a cabin by cruiser. modern standards. That was a term that wasn't used when she was built right. as much. She was built in 1935. Wow. Um... And she is a prototype from a Pacific Northwest boat company uh, called Monk. It's a very predominant, like, builder. And, uh, and the we, Monk ships are very well sought after these yeah. days. Um, I think they stopped making boats in the... Uh, 60s, 70s? Yeah. Somewhere in there? Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe even late 80s, or yeah. early 80s. But maybe there. I'm definitely not, I'm not much later sure. than that, I think. Yeah. Um, we found her in um, Powell's, actually. We were in the rare book room of Powell's. It's a little bit of a confusing statement. of. Oh. So, we found her on Craigslist. Uh, yeah, we found the boat <laughs> itself on Craigslist. Yes. We picked up the boat itself. If we literally picked the boat up off of a tax return. We didn't, and we didn't know any better at and that point. And we didn't, we didn't know anything about her. We knew we were looking for, we loved the idea of a wooden boat. Yep. Yeah. Still love a wooden boat. Oh, man. Love the idea of a wooden boat. <laughs> love the, love the, you know what? Everybody says a wooden boat is going to take you so much, well, it's going to take you so much further, but it's going to take you so much more work. Yeah. Than any other boat in the world, right? My my dad, um, my dad uh, bought a wooden sailboat, a replica of Joshua Slocum Spray. Holy hell! The that's awesome. Yeah, yeah the first guy to ever <laughs> circumnavigate yep. the world. Yep. Um, in the late nineteenth uh, century, yep. and uh, we spent a summer in Port Townsend when I was sixteen, <sighs> renovating that boat. That's and beautiful. Ended up sailing it around the San Juan Islands and up to... Uh, so you know how much work they actually are. Oh, man. We spent all summer working on that thing. <laughs> and uh, and that was how long? How big was it? I believe it was uh, 33 feet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 33 feet so, long. So, yeah, you, you fully... Under we bought a 35-foot one because we were stupid. <laughs> no. no. Well, to, to finish the story... Yeah. Um, after we did our sailing trip, yeah. it turned out that um, there was way more work to be done than yep. originally was thought. Uh, <laughs> the boat inspector, Funny about that. right? The boat inspector uh, didn't really do his job right. That's strange. And so uh, seems to be the trend. Yeah, spent the next couple of years working on it, yep. and then uh, then financial crash came in two thousand eight. Yep. Yep. And my dad ended up having to give up that boat. And so that was, uh, that stung. Um, we still have, uh, yeah. have a wooden sailboat. 
good up in the Yukon. That's awesome. been sailing since I was a little kid. Awesome. Much smaller. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a lake boat. Beautiful. Like sure. two masts. Two masts. And what? Wait, yeah, it's like 20, sorry, 28 sorry. foot. You have a smaller boat and it's still two mast? Still two masts, yeah. Like, it's not like, it doesn't have a cabin, but it's got like a, it's got a keel board. It's uh, a cat catch. Um, so, still around Lake LaBarge growing up as a kid. And we, my dad still has it. So, it's not a total loss. Get out of here. <laughs> like, he still is a, he's still happy that he has that one, but, you know, now he's starting to. Right. gear up looking for his next boat sure and at this point he's finally willing to concede that it might be okay to get uh, a fiberglass, fiberglass. yeah <sighs> with a wooden aesthetic you know it, it, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's only I, taken him like what 70 years it took him a long time to come uh, around. Maybe this fiberglass idea is okay. <laughs> he had a he had a plaque on his wall that said, "If God wanted fiberglass boats, he would grow fiberglass trees." Ooh, okay, and, uh, okay. He was okay. pretty. I, he was you pretty diehard. I can appreciate that a whole lot. Um, so, so our boat that we bought, uh, we lived on it for like ten years. Um, she was stripped on the inside. She was a 35-foot, you know, 10-foot beam. Uh, all wood. Everything about her. Just classic. She, uh, about two years, two or three years before we picked her up, uh -huh. she'd been replanked. So all, Rehauled. Uh, all yep. of her hull was... Um, uh, Alaskan yellow pine. Yeah. She was so she was double-planked, double-hauled. And so you would see from the outside, from the inside, you could see that she was cross-hulled, cross-planked. And everything about it on the un on the underside was just tight and clean. And it was beautiful. Um, yeah. But they didn't... The they top didn't, side! <laughs> they didn't do anything about the top side. Mm. And uh, that's where the that's where the trouble started with our with our boat, unfortunately. Um, so the backside, the transom, the top side, uh, the main rail. They just... didn't. They put this really nice. Whoever owned it before us put this really gorgeous like eggshell epoxy down, which wiped off clean. Everything about it was gorgeous. It, they didn't sand any of the wood. Before they put the epoxy on it. So the mm. varnish was still on all of the wood. And I don't know if you know how that goes, but I assume you know how that goes. As soon as the varnish starts releasing from the wood, all the epoxy starts releasing from the wood. Mm. They did 100% of it in that without sanding any of it. And... So it was a matter of like, well, we gotta get her out of the water because you can't. You well in America down here, you can't illegally sand something like that out while she's on the water. You have to pull it out of the water because you have to capture absolutely everything that comes out of that, and you can't let any of that go in the water for contamination reasons. Mm. Um, and so we had to dry dock her. This is after living on the boat for... For like... 
eight years? Yeah, seven, eight years, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, I mean, on one side of the world, it's a wood boat, right? A wood boat can only sink so much. <laughs> she's not going to sink a whole lot. Yeah. It's not like she's going to the bottom. Like she just, if she starts taking on water, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long process to put that thing on the bottom of the river. Um, but there was definitely that like she's taking on a lot more water. There's a lot more water in the bilge. Like the pumps are running a couple hours a day. Yeah, and I, like, uh, there's a problem. <laughs> like, I think a lot of <laughs> listeners like, might not realize the the bilge is at the very bottom of the boat. Yes, and um, yeah, and uh, it's it fills up occasionally with water. Well, you a, know, and a um, bilge on a boat is always yeah. designed to be filled with something. It's designed yeah. to be filled with lead. It's designed to be filled with water. It's designed to be filled with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole rocks, cut, concrete. You know, rocks, concrete, the, whatever they had at the time. The yeah. bilge itself is exactly where the, the, the boat comes together underneath the, the transom. Um, underneath the floorboards. Yeah, and underneath the floorboards for everything. And so on quote-unquote modern boats you would have electric pumps that had floats so if you started getting too much water in that bilge the 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 electric floats would kick over they'd pump whatever out yeah i have a particularly poignant memory of uh saucing the bilge as a (laughs) when i was 16 you know painting those painting it with tar yep um yeah, we'll never forget that. It's not it's, a it's not a light task. Not not a pretty task. <laughs> no, it sucks. Everything about it sucks. Yeah, but it uh, was really it was really satisfying. Even though it was a short period of time right. sailing that boat out into the yeah. San Juan Islands, it yeah. was that was a beautiful trip. I'll That's never forget. Gorgeous. And I, I'm sure you guys, you know, living on your boat yeah. for all those years, it must have been very special. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was pretty awesome. She's I, a treasure. I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. Um, but we definitely, you know, related that back to the pirate side of the world of, like, you know, you, you, you know, like, I know that she wasn't that version of a ship. You know, she wasn't a 62, you know, cannon Spanish galleon that was, you know, 300 feet long and crewed 600 men or whatever. It's like, she crewed two of us. Yeah. <laughs> she was 35 feet she crewed two a, of us. Occasionally three or four. Yeah. Sat about like five feet in the water. You could get a cannon if you really wanted <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, I could get a cannon if I really wanted to. Um, we joked about it. Yeah. But uh, the sea songs that were done didn't didn't uh, lose any input. Like they they were always like the pump songs. You know, like, you could hear the guys, like, pumping water out of the bilge. I'm, or I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. Go uh, on, Because where you're go- where I'm there, going. Where you, know where where you I'm jumped going into uh, needs a little bit more yeah, background. Yeah, please do. Uh, <laughs> Just get in there. Like the bilge side of things. Yeah. The um, sea songs slash the work songs that we sing have multiple categories. Yeah. 
and there's about five of them total. Sometimes the well, the categories of the song yeah. correlate to the categories of the work that you're yes. doing or not doing, as the case may be. Because there's absolutely always a category of songs that you're not working to. Yeah, it's just songs you're, you're happy singing that you're, you're not on shift right now. And you got uh, shit all to do. <laughs> um, and with that, the songs also evolve as the shift technology evolves. Mm-hmm. So there's always a. You'll hear a lot of different hauling songs, but even among the hauling songs, there's short haul and long haul because you want different rhythms for the different jobs. And you just glazed over, like, short haul and long haul songs were, like, when you were pulling cargo off of the docks. Like, you would pull cargo off of the docks via the yard arm, uh, the sail Which is, like, like cross piece. Cross piece. Yeah. It, uh, it's and, the T part you, of the T, as you will. Yeah. And you would pull cargo up into the boat that way. And so, like, 30 of you would be on a long-haul song to pull cargo up and to drop it back in. And so, so you pull it, you raise it up. Yeah, you raise it over up. The, from up, the, and then it from swings the over. Swing it over, drop it down drop, onto the deck yeah. of the ship. And we have, uh, actually, uh, why we, why we met you, <laughs> and why we were out pirating yesterday, and why we were dressed up as pirates yesterday, um, pre-pandemic, three years ago, uh, we were in Mystic... Connecticut. Connecticut <laughs> at the Sea Music Festival, mm-hmm. uh, in... In the port of Mystic, um, which is one of the last whaling ports that currently, or I don't know, they actively work on tall ships mm-hmm. and wooden ships and everything in the as line. Well it's as like the Disneyland for a museum. Side yeah, of things. and so every good. night they had concerts during this weekend about sea songs and everything that allowed that work to kind of happen. And so they had the short haul songs, they had the long haul songs, they had the, you know, we're just going to have a good time songs. They had pumping pumping songs songs where you would clean a bilge because that's all you were doing. The capstan songs, um, it, it, and that's kind of like, there's a lot of things that have happened along that category that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. A lot of like work songs, a lot of sea songs, a lot of things actually still um, echo into into today's society. Um, like. Uh, oh, what's the, oh, the, the, the dumb one, the dumb one is the metronome. Yeah. Is the clinking of the capstan, because they throw an ankle, they throw a little bar around, and as you walk around the capstan, it has, like, eight to, eight to ten? 
depending on the size of the capstan. And, and it What's a capstan? Um, the capstan is going to be on the front of the ship. It is the most a, common place they are. Yeah, the impulsive. most common place that they're at. Um, it's how old wooden ships raised or lowered their anchor. Because the anchor that you're going to drop from your ship has to weigh roughly the size of your ship, right? So, um, you, you, you have a canoe that you're currently taking. That's what I do. Yeah. Do you have an anchor for your canoe? No, no, I don't. I just pull it up on shore. <laughs> See, you don't, you don't have an anchor at all. No, no, it's, it's a 17 foot Mad River canoe, but okay. I, uh, I either pull it up on shore or I, uh, okay. tie it up at a dock. Well, when you have a, th- you know, 300 foot wooden boat. Just a little bit different. A little bit different. A little bit. And you yeah. can't exactly just ground it. <laughs> you have to throw an anchor out. Grounding, also known as pulling it up on the shore. Right, yeah, yeah. Just um, clarify. There, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, when you can't just, uh, you know, park it. Yeah. You parallel park the damn thing. Um, I have a funny story, actually, from... A, oh, I want to hear it now. Yeah, well, about grounding, because yeah. the sailboat that we had on Lake LaBarge, right. where I grew up in the Yukon, yeah. um, we... Um, used to uh we kept it anchored in the in this place called fossil point uh-huh. um there's like this big amylite fossil that kind of marks the place that we had this boat awesome and we'd uh take it out in the summer and go around the island and we had this beach that we always like to, like to camp on one of a few on richtoven island sure and um the sailboat we you know we'd bring it right up on shore, pull up the centerboard. Right. And then we, you know, could ground it right up on shore. And most of the time we tie it off, right? Yeah. But this time, for whatever reason, we thought, oh, it's... It's it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's up there. And so we make <laughs> make some food. We're enjoying the day. All, all the rocks on this beach are just like skipping stones. So we're all right. distracted with that. Flat, easy, nice... Yeah. Which means when you go out into the water, all of them are the same, right? Yeah, like it's it's so, it's very similar stones. And so anyways, we left the sails up. We didn't take oh, the sails down. Oh no. no. And so we're sitting there having our dinner and then all of a sudden we look flat, out. Everything's easy. Everything's, everything's flat. It's calm. It's yeah. like there wasn't that much wind and then all of a sudden we look out, and we're like, Oh that sailboat, that's pretty. Oh, wait a second. That's ours. That's our sailboat. sailing away. <laughs> and my dad takes off all his clothes, throws on a life jacket, and starts, starts swimming running. out there. And I mean, this is glacial cold water, right? Oh, no. And he's just swimming, swimming, oh, and trying to catch Because no. we're on an island. Yeah. Right. We're on an island. And we're yeah, like, well. You, you have no hope. You have to get that boat. Yeah, island. I mean, it's like, a pretty. I you were stuck on that island. It's not <laughs> like it's. There's a lot of people around. Like, it's a pretty. <laughs> this is the Yukon, you know? Yes. Right. It's pretty. There's only uh, so remote. many people there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. There's yeah. a few, but there isn't that many. And yeah. so my dad's swimming out to this boat and he gets there, like, right. And he told me later, he's like, I got there right as I was losing my strength. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. so That's all, rough. All is well, but we have not made that mistake since. <laughs> Holy uh, hell. We've had, a, we've had a couple moments like that. 
um, that are that are similar. Um, we lived in a uh, in a well. We have the boat in a Hayden Bay, which is um, on an island north of Oregon, but south of Washington. It's in the, in the, of the it's in the middle of Columbia, and it, the bay is not particularly bad. The bay is actually, in fact, quite lovely. Um, but there was a really huge storm that rolled through one day, and, uh, we both woke up to just being rocked. Like, having a 35-foot long, 10-foot wide wooden boat, it doesn't move a whole lot in the water. It moves just enough. It's not quite the same as a canoe. Correct. <laughs> We both woke up being seasick. It's the only time <laughs> it was a, in that entire it was little rough, experience. Rough. Oh, no. Like, there was a lot going on at that moment. And the app actually wasn't the worst part. Like, we woke up and we're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of rocky. Like, cool. yeah, it this storm's been real bad. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't until we walked out of the boat and we decided to, like, like let's go over, have a couple of beers, have some, have some lunch, decide about what's going on today, and how we'll comfortable go... are we being yeah. a little bit farther away from the boat? Yeah. Or do we need to like, actually while like, the go storm's just going on, while the storm's going on, everything else, and we're both sitting there like, and I can see, Chin rocking her head left and right, and she's like, "You're rocking." buddy i'm like i'm rocking you're rocking like what do you what do you mean yeah and we're both just doing this like <laughs> like sod 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 like like how how are you doing right now She's i remember like, honestly i'm seasick and everything hurts and i don't feel like i've gotten off the boat how are you doing I'm like ah not much better than, not much better than that at all. Like I am also seasick, feeling like I'm rocking and feeling like I have not left our boat yet. Oh no. It was rough. And then uh we both had beers. We had I food. remember the first time I lifted did my beer <laughs> lit, like picked the the beer up in my hand and went to like drink out of it and I almost You missed <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> like missing was a better option because it was either missing my face or going straight into my teeth with the entire glass. Yeah. It was... No, you missed it. It was great. It's like, yes. all right, that's how we're doing today. Yep. <laughs> okay. So I've never been seasick in my life. I've been on cruise ships. I've been on huge ships. I've been on tall ships. I've been on little ships. I've been everywhere in between. I've never been seasick in my life. I woke up that morning. I don't know if that was seasick. But that was definitely... It was seasick while we were sitting at the Whoa. table. That's yeah, It was. Sure. Whoa, oh, man. Whoa, on land. It was rough. That was the roughest day I've ever had on that boat. Or off that boat, technically. So you guys you guys um, came from Portland, Portland originally. Yeah. Uh, I did. She did. Right. Yeah, yeah. East Coast. Yeah. But lived in Portland for a while. Yeah. And then now the last four years, you've been yeah. living in St. Helens. Yeah. And what do you guys like about St. Helens? What is it about 
this place that appeals to you? So I'll start off with, we moved out here because we had some of our pirate crew members that come and play pirates with us that had a place out here. They had space. They had space. And we knew we needed to get our boat out of the water mm-hmm. to ultimately sand her. We knew that there was water coming in from her bilge. We knew we had some planks. We knew we had some top work to do. We knew had that her top of her cabin needed some some love. And it worked out timing-wise that from what we were doing professionally... That dried up, and so we were like, okay, maybe now is the time that we can pull her out of the water, do a little work, sand her up, put some epoxy back on her, replace some wood, get back on it. Yeah, put her back in the marina. Yeah. I mean, a wood boat needs a lot of work, no yeah. matter, no oh, matter yes. how you, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> they are work, period. Like, end of sentence. Yeah. A wood boat. A 1937, 35-foot wood boat needs a lot of work. Always. <laughs> so, yeah, the fact that... always something to replace. The fact that we hadn't pulled her out of the water in the last ten years was a miracle to her. It was actually a boon to her for as good of a boat as she yeah. is. And uh, what we're dealing with currently by disassembling her is, uh, oh, sorry, we didn't say anything about that. Surprise. No. <laughs> there's, a, there's something else going on with her currently. Yeah. Um, with what we're doing with her currently um, has been a benefit and a relief and a pain. Yeah. Because it was our home for so long, but now we're cutting her apart and disassembling her. Because it, it mm. reached the point that there was so much rot on and the top side that it was cost prohibitive to really fix her. Yeah. That must be really hard, you know, to be so close to... You know, living on yep. a ship like that and yep. having to make that call. Yep. Yeah. It uh, it actually took me more years than I would like to admit to make that call. And uh, I didn't want to. And it wasn't until I, I really got into a lot of things and I grabbed the sander and I really just went to town on a lot of weird areas on the boat first. And it, I still didn't want to. I still don't want to. Right, like because you, you were living in Saint Helens yep. with the boat yep. up on blocks, saying like, "Okay, we're I'll gonna sand it, we'll paint it, we'll do, we'll do whatever it takes." Yep. Yeah. Eventually. Yep. Well, but, well, yeah. not eventually, but just it was. We'll as, sand it. We'll do it. We'll whatever. As yeah. as life allows like as yeah. as we have a quiet day let's sand on the boat yeah. right but it's kind of like but what i meant by eventually was like the focus was there but 
Yeah. It was like there were layers of damage that yep. Yep. you had kind of had to come to terms with. Yeah. Yeah. And and that layer of damage wasn't necessarily only the boat, right? It was uh, it was a mental layer of damage too. Like it was a there was a lot going on in life in general between why we moved out here versus why we wouldn't have just stayed in Portland. Uh, why we decided to drag her up and have her on, you know, on the, on the hard here versus just having somebody else just do the work. Um, and, uh, so it, 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 there was a lot of reasons that we chose to do it ourselves, but the more that we dove into it, the more we realized that she was in a much worse shape than we thought and hoped for. Yeah, yeah I think hoped for is hoped the for like is the hopes. Hopes, uh, hopes a bastard. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can be. Yeah. yeah, we hoped. We hoped for a lot better. And. Uh, Hope uh, only gets you so far. So what do you? What is the plan now? So the plan now is to, we have been, selectively, cutting her apart. In sections, that we can manipulate and carry out. The plan is to turn her into furniture, chairs a bar, and everything else, so that she never really goes away, but she won't be a boat again, fortunately, yeah. but she'll always stay with us, one way or another, and, yeah. uh, like, like, we pulled sections of her roof apart that are, like, kind of, like, whale-boned, like ribbing across the top we pulled those in sections we're going to pull sections of her keel and her hull that are flat we're going to put them across the back of her transom that you normally would get in through instead of a swim deck we're going to use the entire area that her swim deck used to be we'll put a brass rail in um we'll paint her proper name and everything else across her transom so as you walk up to it her transom and swim deck will be a brass rail and everything else the flat part across the top of it will be part of her hull but it'll be the top of the bar the back side of it and then the lighting and the roof will be her roof and everything else and so everything else will be a bar behind it and so like That's cool. where you normally walk into her with um, and have windows, uh, port and aft, um, on either, uh, on either side. Port you and starboard. Yeah, thank you. Port and starboard. Uh, you slide the, the door open where you'd normally walk into, into her cabin is going to be, like, the main whiskey shelf. And then, like, the two little windows that are port and starboard will now be other, like, shelves. And yeah, that's really cool. I think it's 
it's it's it's great when you you know you go through something really difficult very difficult yeah losing your home losing something that you're so connected to Literally but then yeah. Home. Mm-hmm. yeah but then finding that way of of keeping that dream alive and a new purpose right you know and i think that that a lot a lot of people wouldn't a lot of people might not do that they might just walk right. away and they might just call it a day or might like that was our memory there are days where that a... feels easier not gonna lie yeah yeah well i the, i the... admire people who are able to do that in some ways because i've learned a lot about them actually yeah. through this because that takes a different level of strength because i feel like what we're doing with it is we're fighting like every we're, we're keeping her step. with us and that will be good in the, in the long end, run in the long run but it hurts every single time i go to take a saw to it it hurts every time i mm. i i put a sawzall to it it hurts every single time i put a blade in sections of it it sucks every single time that i do it it it's not lost on me it it hurts every single time yeah let's take a little bit of a left-hand turn yeah because where we kind of started this section or this side of things off was with a question about what do you like about st helens Oh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no. That's lies. <laughs> no. Um, ultimately, what 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 got us out here is, uh, yeah, parts of our crew, parts of our friends, um, that lived out here, and uh, we moved out here to one to, you know, finish up and clean up our boat. Um, two, like, it's a it's a cute little town. You know, it's, um, it's right off the river, so we're still connected. Like, we've lived on the boat for the last ten years, right? We've, we've lived on the water. We've lived on the Columbia. We know what it's all about. We know... The moods of the river. Yep. And the patterns, and mm. the tides, and... And so, it's like, well, St. Helens isn't bad. Literally on the river out here. And so we didn't feel disconnected from any of it. While still living inland, we still felt very connected. Because the majority of this town is actually still connected to the river in that pattern. Well, I felt that, you know, paddling up to St. Helens. Yeah. There's there's a big marina. There's a lot of boats there. There's several (laughs) marinas. Yeah. There's like five or six. Um... There's an island out front. There's a bunch of other stuff. And, like, there's a bunch of businesses then, like, you know, commerce mm-hmm. off the river directly. Like, you can come up via boat, get off on a dock, walk up to a restaurant or walk up to a bar or walk up to a... And really have... Our city hall is literally on the river. Like... Well, and, and it's it's a big enough it's town that you walk up and you have options for your food. Yeah. It's not yeah. just, like, the dock house at the top of yeah. the dock that's like, yeah, yeah we have some sodas, we have a burger, there you go. that's what you get. Exactly. No, like, we... No, you're like, you have, you have two or three different tap rooms, you have 
like six or seven different restaurants. You have you have a bunch of things to pick from. Yeah. So Just it was actually one of our walking off the first marina. ways that we ever came out to St. Helens yeah. was truthfully is. stopping on the marina side. Yep. Realizing that that boat that we were piloting <laughs> wasn't going to make it up river, so we needed to kind of park her for a day or two while we got some tools together. And, yep. Um, and so that's one of our first views of St. Helens was from that side of things. Yep. Well, that's something I, I really do like about this town is how connected to the river it is. Yeah. Because um, pre- some some towns I've come across on my trip so far have not been at all, you know, like there's right. a huge industrial section, like blocking a lot of the town from the river. Mm-hmm. There's not that many boats on the water. Or so, they just don't give a shit about it. Yeah. Strangely. Strangely. But then other places are really dialed in, like yep. Half-Lamet. Yep. Um, St. Helens, Astoria, yep. it's very much about that connection to and the like, river. Yeah. Rainier is one of those weird ones, like where you would think it's so much more attached industrial-wise or everything else-wise, and Rainier is one of those towns that it's like, yeah, it's there. Meh. Yeah. They have some really nice docks, yeah. actually. But, like, but meh. Mm-hmm. The rest of the town meh. isn't really... Like, it's, it's not as connected meh. to... Yeah. Exactly. Like, there's a small marina, which is great. Yeah. But other than that, it doesn't seem Meh. like there's a river culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, Astoria absolutely embraces it on 800 different levels. Oh, yeah. It's, like, undeniable because yeah. they're just right at the mouth. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you can't fight that. Um, I mean, Portland does it in a very good way, but you you have it's, to know where you're going city, in Portland. It's not a town, too. Yeah. Like, that uh, makes a like difference. Like, Island has, like... You know, the the tip of Hayden Island is all industrial, but it's, like, big industrial. Like, they drop uh, cargo containers. They, they, they drop um, service boats that haul cars. They drop all that stuff. So, like, on the industrial side of the world, they don't want to see anything that isn't 400, 500 feet long. But on the on the back side of Hayden Island, on the, you know, towards Portland, they're like, oh no, there's eight marinas yeah. that just cater to boats. On the inside run, um, that's on, on the outside, on the inside run, there's restaurants that are literally on the docks. Like, one of the best restaurants in Portland is in a dock. Like, and it's only open through April through... September, September, maybe, maybe October. Yeah, but it's literally only it's it's on the water. It's only in the docks. That's really cool. So, what is yeah. it like? You're talking about the Columbia. Yeah. What is it about the Columbia River that you think is is so special? <sighs> that's a that's a question and a half. Um, so. I mean, the Columbia River itself, I mean, it's, you know, I, I've been here for 38 years of my life, you know, I, I'm that old or something. Um, the Columbia has been doing exactly what it's been doing for years. 
It's one of the largest rivers in the world. It moves the most amount of water. It pushes so much more. It's, um, it's been a lifeblood for all of our Native Americans. It's been, it's been a lifeblood for, you know, the early settlers that came over here. Um, it's been, it's been something that has always created jobs, commerce, and community for people that are here. And protecting that is the most important thing to me. Um, seeing what it's going through currently, seeing the salmon returns, seeing the, you know, the sturgeon returns, seeing the fish returns that are lower every single year, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. Um, it's not a good thing to watch. And protecting that is a driving factor, honestly, for me. Um... It's also the lifeblood for so much more. Um, and just being connected to it kind of makes me connected to the ocean and kind of makes me connected to that. I can't imagine living inland anywhere. I can't, I, I, I can't do it. Um, if I'm not within some giant body of water, I don't know how I could live. I don't know. I, like, I can't move to Colorado. Or, you know, anywhere inland. I well, just, you are a pirate after all. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I, need, I, need, I need a chance Which, to be in an open water in a second. Like, in yeah. a heartbeat. I need that moment. Um, Which came first? The piracy yeah. or the sea? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, just... But just... It's, it's not, it's not a national treasure. It's more, it's much more than that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the nation. It doesn't matter the, 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 the government that they, you know, is currently controlling the Columbia. I mean, it flows from Canada all the way through BC, all the way through Alberta all of them are tributaries to like they all sink into the Columbia um the Snake River comes up that's where you're going she's a mighty river man and uh she means a lot she means a lot to a lot of us yeah it's gonna be I mean it's already been humbling paddling up this this river i mean my first day my first day pulling out of astoria yeah it was like i'm in the deep end like, <laughs> this is no joke it's, it's, yeah. yeah this is no it, joke it does not it does not mess around in that category like yeah i mean the waves were the yeah. waves were steep and the current was strong and it was exhilarating and affirming but also humbling, which is how it yeah. should be. So yeah, I was just uh, I just pulled out my Leatherman Wave, yeah. and I was telling these guys that I had one just like this when I was nineteen twenty, and I was working as a gold prospector. Mm -hmm. um, well, sorry, what? Yep. 
Yeah, like Yukon. Yukon territory. So I was like... Oh, oh Yukon. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, does everybody out of the Yukon so, is, like, either a gold prospector or, like, a bear hunter or, like, a salmon fisher? That's kind of the stuff you... Salmon, salmon, they have to go a long ways up the Yukon River. Okay, 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 okay. But, like, but trout. Bears, bears, trout, and gold. Yeah, I mean... Beavers? You don't want bears? beavers or some beavers? Beavers. But, yeah, I suppose you beavers. You don't really want to... The bears, you don't... You just... I'm not, I wouldn't say you hunt the nope. bears, you just try not to get, like, eaten by the bears, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. There's that. Yeah. So anyways, I was working for, I was working for, like, this gold, like, prospecting company. And so I was, like, a sampler, right? So I, so you, they, they take you out on a helicopter, <laughs> drop you up in the mountains, and then you walk. What? Like what you, is, what is yeah. that, what does that mean? Like, you... S- you sampled gold for a company. What What does that mean? Okay, so like, it's like you, parts per you, billion. Yeah. You know, it's soil. So like, okay, you're going into the soil. So you you sampled the soil and like, ah, uh, this has so much gold in it, or the bedrock is like thirty feet versus now it's ten feet. So therefore, the gold can't go below the bedrock. Yeah. So it's more like they find little bits of gold. Yeah in the soil potentially and so yeah. they're like oh there's 22 per parts per billion per ton of yeah this section exactly and okay. so then and then okay. if they find like something that's re- like there's a hit like there's a whole area there's like find lots of bits of gold then they'll come back and right. develop it and right. drill for and they'll actually get drillers in and so we'll have like a camp with like wall tents and stuff right, and right, right, right. drill down and try to get out more yeah. or you, you bring know, trucks in or serious bring samples big shit in oh. Right. Yeah. It really sounded like, you know, old school cartoon. Well, I was a prospector. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, like. It's like. Wait a minute. When wait I like minute. say, I know it's just one of those things where, like, to people who are not from there, yeah. it sounds like what the hell? Like, is this like a car? Is this a cliche? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like what? No. This yeah. Is a thing. No. Like I totally understand and I get that. That that perspective, like, no, like this this area ground because there was an ancient river here, and and like this topsoil is like three feet from the bedrock, and the gold can't get underneath the bedrock. So there go we dig this, we pull that. It shows this much gold. Well, this is the thing though, is that and then there's this... this much tonnage. Yeah, because right, well, there's just so many different types of right. gold, right? Right. Because right. some of it, like the placer mining gold. Yeah. Some of it's uh, some of it's the pull out. Some of it's the yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. So no worries, but the, the placer mine gold is like okay, it gets washed out of the bedrock yeah. through the creeks, yep. right? Yep. And so then they're just basically trying to get the nuggets right. that you know have collected then, over however many millions of years. Yeah, and they're gonna wash onto the the back of most of the rocks or they're gonna wash onto the back of, and they can only go in so far on the rivers, right? So yeah. they they have to like um what's the they use the little um if it's an active river they use the little vacuums. Or yeah. whatever the Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they like so they pull like a sled or something and they just hoover that shit up and they're like yeah. well I know on you know like if it's heavy it goes on the big side of this rock it goes on the back side of it and so it kicks in 
So they get, yeah, well, there's originally there were sluice boxes, right? Yeah. And so they put them into yeah. creeks, and you like when I paddled, my friend and I, we paddled from Kluwani National Park to Dawson City mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, and it was like it was about nine days, but nobody, absolutely zero oh, people, wow. zero roads, zero Oof. towns. Oof. But it was beautiful, fall Ooh, colors, right? Gorgeous. And um, we, uh, my buddy, was like obsessed with trying to find some gold so we brought a pan out right. and he brought a little sluice box oh he, he so, like chucked with one yeah we canoed with oh, the sluice box oh come on yeah and he uh he was That's doing awesome. it everywhere and we finally found this one little creek where he was able to get some flakes and he was stoked you know yeah yeah and so that's good yeah that's cute yeah and i mean I like it, it. it's enough to like having a little yeah you know a little shaky jar and you're like hey I pulled I this those. from uh, I pulled this from this lake, or I pulled this from this uh, creek. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, the Yukon is so vast. Right. There's so Nuts. many creeks that haven't been Man, haven't been sluiced. You know, there's so many places that haven't been fully discovered. Right. And I think that that's what continues to draw people. I mean, the Klondike Gold Rush happened in 1898. Right. And there was 100, over 100,000 people that came right. up and lived in the Yukon to yeah. find gold. And, right. But it's like the difference between Whitehorse and St. Helens, I'd say, is like Whitehorse is like the only big place around. Yeah. Right. So they, they invest. Like it's like has everything you need. Okay. So anyways, this yeah, is right. all a long convoluted way to come back to telling you about the yeah. story yeah. of my Leatherman Wave. Yeah. The original one I had okay. was when I was 19, Ooh. Um, turning 20, I was out prospecting mm-hmm. or doing like the uh, soil sampling, I should say. And um, I'm sorry, we took, I took you on this voyage. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fine. So, so I'm, so I'm prospecting. Yeah. Looking for on mountain, you know, I'm on like a a line going down a ridge of mountains, sure. and you know, you get dropped off by the helicopter in the beginning of the day, and then you do your line, you take a sample of soil every fifty to hundred yards, and then at the end, uh, you know, the guy the guys come pick you up. You know what? Uh, let me. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Just like, like, let me. For two seconds, I need you to repeat what the shit you just said of like, oh yeah, you know, you go out on a helicopter, you get dropped off on a, yeah, yeah, you go down. Sorry, normal jobs don't do that shit. I need you to repeat that all again. Yeah. One more time. Okay. What? Okay. So yeah, so we, so my job, I work for Archer Cathro. Okay. And, uh. The whole purpose of them is to, they're hired to look for gold. Okay. Look for different minerals. Yeah. And so, specifically gold. And sure. so, as a soil sampler, you know, sometimes you walk out from camp, but normally sure. you get picked up by a helicopter, flown out to, like, a line, you know, maybe we have a GPS and we might just do yep. a grid where we okay. go up and down a mountain, yeah. you know, or just stick sure. to a grid, but... There's another form of sampling called contour lines where you get dropped off on a ridge of mountains. Mm-hmm. And so you get dropped off on, on like a, a ridge somewhere and basically you just walk that ridge for all day taking samples of soil until, you know, you get your 30 or 40, 50 samples 
and then uh, call in the helicopter. They come pick you up and bring you back to camp, which is like, you know, maybe 30, 40 people living in wall tents with a camp cook. And, so like yeah. 40, 50 yeah. people living in wall tents, a camp cook. Um, great. All that. You go back, you get a little soup, you get a little good day. Um, somewhere, somewhere in your uh, 17s or 18-year-old, um, in your high school career day rolls around they're like hey do you want to be a gold sampler we'll fly out in helicopters to the random ass ridge of this mountain and drop you up where do you get this job and where the hell does it come from (laughs) yeah how how? i don't understand because like it is so wild to me right now to hear this statement and i know that i'm I, i can i can tell that i'm getting a little Excited. Eccentric and excited about it. <laughs> it's okay. Like, it is so wild to me to hear that, of all things. I'm like, where where do you... How did you get into it? Well, like, you're... you didn't get into it through high school. Is it just a common <laughs> thing that's, like... I hate to say it, like, is it just a common thing in the Yukon, I guess? Is it just, like, normal? Or yeah. Or how did you get into it? Yeah, I would say it's, like... I mean, my first serious job Mm -hmm. was a wrangler for as for a horseback hunting outfit and so like we trailed 25 head of horses into this remote area called the peel river watershed okay um specifically gauze lake which is right between the bonnet plume and the snake rivers which okay you know between the wind the bonnet plume and the snake they're kind of like the three main rivers that flow into the peel yeah, they intercept. Yeah. They flow into the Peel River, right. which flows to the Arctic Ocean. And this sure. is like an area the size of... It's one of the largest pieces of untouched wilderness left in North America. Right, yeah. It's the size of Ireland with no roads, yep. no towns. Um, it's uh, pristine. Where'd, yeah. where, where'd you... Uh, where, where in the Yukon did you grow up? I grew up What's outside the, of Whitehorse. Yeah, out of Whitehorse. Yeah, just outside uh, of Whitehorse. Yeah, because there's like what two or three towns north of you, like major towns. North, of, yeah, yeah, like Dawson like, City there's has not. Like, there's not much north of Whitehorse at that moment. Like not a whole lot. Yeah, Dawson right? is maybe like five, four thousand, five thousand. That's right. a, uh, that's, that's in the summer. That's huge for. And it's cool. It's uh, so. My knife, I'm out sampling, yeah. and I love this freaking knife, right. and I end up um, going to take take a uh, going to take a pee, right? And uh, it's on my belt, and it slips off. Yep. But I don't realize it, and so I oh, go no. back all the way back to camp. Oh no! And um, I'm like, oh, distraught because Shit. it's like out on a mountain somewhere, and I'm never going back to that mountain. Yep. And then the helicopter pilot, when I'm there, one of the ones I befriended, said, "Hey." Like, I've got some, like, I've got a little bit of extra flying time. Like, Ooh. we can go look for that knife. Aww. And, I mean, these Come helicopters on. are expensive. Like, yeah. Flying a helicopter for... They're, that's not a cheap moment. It's not cheap. No. And so I'm like, wow, that is special. So we fly back out to the coordinates that I was almost, I was sure where I lost my knife. And we go and he drops me off and I couldn't find it. Damn it. <laughs> so that was like the most expensive <laughs> lost and found. Yep. Unsuccessful so lost well, and found. I was like, moment. you didn't lost find it. And so not it's, found. it's just gone. Mm-hmm. 
just gone at this point. That knife is still there. I Toast. guarantee you. All it's right. sitting in a moss patch. It's probably pristine because these things are like so uh, great condition. Yeah. So small world. Someone's gonna find it in like a hundred years from now. You want, you, want some, <laughs> you want some small world uh, bullshit? Sure. Um, I I I I used to work for a company um, that did food production. Um, categories they did nutritional labels they did uh testing they did all that other like um everything you see on the back of like here's all the nutritional labels like here's the shelf life here's how long this stuff you know would work um i used to do uh i was a media grunt for them so i made i made broths augers and whatnot but doesn't matter um Literally next door to Leatherman. Like, the entire factory of Leatherman. And so, like, we could walk over, and I would constantly. I have, like, 80 of them. Oh, <laughs> because, yeah, like, they're probably down to about. Yeah, I'm, I'm down to. Two dozen. Yeah, I'm down to two dozen these days. Holy but, like, dozen. I could, like, yeah. walk across the street, go into the Leatherman factory, and be like, Do you have any seconds? I'm like, Yeah. Here, here. Here, like ten bucks. Oh, get out. really? Yeah. Wow. And they just like hand you them and like go away. And you're like, okay, cool. Like that's your one for the day. Okay. Like ten dollars, <laughs> you'd have a new leather one. And like ten bucks for that one. Okay, because it had a scratch on it or it's like something weird. And you're like, can I have that one? I'm like, yeah. And it would still come with all the warranty and all that other crap. And like, if you broke a blade or you broke something, you're like, hey, can I return this? And like, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> sucks to hear, like, oh, like that. That sucks. Like, yeah. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. But I, it was like it's kind of a cool story, you know. I mean, it's great. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. That's <laughs> it would have been a little story. bit of a better story if you had actually if found, you found it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of funny that I didn't because yeah. it was like right. the most expensive. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, in helicopter you, flight. you want to know what the most expensive helicopter ride I've ever taken? Yeah. Find a knife that I didn't find. I didn't find. I had the wrong. I had yeah. the wrong. Right, the wrong address for the knife <laughs> that I dropped somewhere. And uh, somewhere in the Yukon, some somebody got a really nice leather. <laughs> God, no, I, and this is a place where I guarantee nobody has been yeah, right. since I was there. It's that kind of place. You know? The Yukon is that kind of place. Like, but like, that's you're not the, on a trail. That's the most batshit crazy section of what you're talking about. It's like, and that's what I was joking about. Like, where is this in your career day? Like, yeah. where is this in the, like, how did you get this job? But in where I'm from, it's like, if it's you're normal, like a young, It's just normal. Yeah, if you're like a young outdoorsy person, it's like, that's where the money is, you know? The money is... Ow. Working for the summer. Because, like, I would have signed up day in, day out, being like, oh, yeah. you're going to go to the Yukon, you're going to get flown out on helicopter, you're going to be out in the wilderness by yourself for, like, a good, you know, two or three days, just wandering around looking for gold. Oh, it's more like... Good luck. I mean, I got dropped one one season, it was like, like we got I got brought out with a small crew, like, mm -hmm. of, like, two other people. And then they just drop us off on a mountain. Like, see you in a week? Six weeks. Yeah. Oh, 
Six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. Holy I mean, hell. they'll stop by once a week to drop off some supplies, Literally. but we're in like an we're in like a high valley, yeah. you know, and then we just do lines from there and we just and so and then occasionally they might move us and be like, All right, we're gonna move you over to this region, drop us off for another couple weeks and then we're just living in a wall tent, you know, and like just sampling by ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Why did I never get this in in <laughs> in my career day? Well, because you're a pirate. Well, no, you're that was on the there. coast. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I didn't get being a pirate in my career day either. I just kind of made that up as it went along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, just, I mean, I I did kind of, but you did kind of. You're you're, I mean, I'm a Davy brat. Both of our lives just kind of so. pushed us to being pirates. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's. But like, I like gold. Go for it. Yeah, that, hey. that does not sound pleasant be a, to me at be all. Be a gold panning pirate. Go up in the mountains, yeah, get right. some gold. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot, a lot safer than being shot at. You know, I was when I was in Dawson. When I was in Dawson, just like you know, yeah, the fall before last. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people in there. Like that's the thing is like, you go there. Like we had paddled nine days to get there. Yeah, and like hadn't showered that whole time of course mm-hmm. we walk in with like muck boots on just dirty as hell just and fit right in because ah. all the prospectors are there from all these different camps and one no one pulled out a nugget that was this big like we're talking like the size piece. yeah holy hell like the size of a large toonie and he's just like oh yeah i found this just like a few days ago just sitting in a river somewhere just sitting well in yeah i mean he was pulling it out with like right but know, still like, they were sluicing hard for it, but still. Like, still. Just pulls out that big gold nugget. Yeah. That ain't... <laughs> like, that's that's the kind of, like, you yeah. know... That's, that, I don't know, that's what Yukon is like. Right. Oh, that's what Yukon is like. Outside of Whitehorse. That's so weird. I mean, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's just so... It's different. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that sh- is... But this is... This is different for me, you know. Right. That's the thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was like, okay, so that's your standard. That's your normal. I'm sure that a lot of things that are currently going on where you're at on the Columbia on down this is like, what do you mean you just you just you can just do that? Like, yeah, you can just kind of like at any point in time I can go rent a spa, or I can go <laughs> have my feet washed, or I can go, uh, you know, go to a gym, or I can go, like, it's just, like, I can just, 24 hours a day, I can, I can go get internet access and pay for, like, stupid things, like, what? Yeah. I it's, don't know. I don't it's know just that's different. the same. It's just different. I mean. I don't know if it's the same as finding gold in the river, <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's like being out here is just it's a totally different challenge, you know, because the Yukon sure. r- the rivers in the Yukon are like cold and and rough and uh, but they're they're fast, you know, fast moving water. Here it's like powerful, big river. I was like tides, uh, currents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, have you not been in the? You're in St. Helens. You've been in Columbia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cold here too. But it's it's a different it's a different. That's type a, of it's, power. A, it's a different level, right? Yeah. It's, and a it's different, not glacial. 
Yeah. Like the well, it is, but it isn't. It's warmed up a bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I still yeah. have a wetsuit just in case. Right. And right. as you get as you get further in, as you get towards hood, it's gonna get colder. Yeah. You like you'll have less of the. It'll get choppy, especially yeah. in the gorge, yep. like with those winds. Yep. You have a lot yeah. less of the breakdown. I'll have a lot of days just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, waiting for the winds yeah. to calm down. Stop yeah. in Hood River for a while, hang out, go I'm see the boys hood. at uh, Full Sail Brewery, um, talk to them for a bit. Um, yeah. If you need if you need an introduction, I will be like, hey, you know, I'll make yeah. a phone call or two for you. I appreciate that. But, <laughs> but yeah, let's go back to like what it is that you love so much about this river. Um, I don't know, man. Like I've grown up, I've grown up about it in my entire life. Um, it's what we it, actually when you stepped out for a second, we talked about it for a little bit, and uh, you know, like talked about St. Helens, and I was like, man, nah, whatever, St. Helens. Uh, I, I don't really care about the city. I don't care about this. Well, I care about this town. I care about the city. I care about it more than I'd like to admit. Um, but the river is the is the really the part that connects me to absolutely everything in my life, and uh, like that's the that's the I've traveled a lot in my life. I've been to London. I've been to you know everywhere in except for the Yukon in Canada. Um, I've been all over Mexico. I've been you know like. I, I've done a fair amount of traveling. I could do more. I could, you know, I could, I absolutely would like to. But the more that I've traveled in the United States, in, in all of it, um, the more it brings me back to absolutely here. So not only does the Columbia move so much water, and she's such a beautiful river. And she moves so much of everything. And... I think you were mentioning before that I can, it moves more water than yeah, almost anywhere Almost in anywhere in the world. She actually does. Um, and that's a... Yeah. And, and it's just... It's an impressive fact. And then if you watch it, if you just sit there, it doesn't look like it. Like any day of the week... Like, you sit there, like, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in St. Helens, you're in Portland, you're in Astoria, you're in... You just sit on her riverside and just watch it move. You're like, I don't know what you mean. She moves so much water. And you don't understand, like, it's 130 feet down or so. Like, she moves so much water currently. Like, the top of it... Looks like nothing's going on, but the underside of it absolutely moves like hell constantly, and it does it without even batting an eye. Consistently, you know, like uh, the Bonneville, the Bonneville Dam that you'll run into. It powers all of Washington, all of Oregon, all of like it powers so much. And it was built in, like, the 40s or 50s? Uh, yeah, I think the 40s. Yeah. And it powers so much of our country. 
it didn't make an impact on it. It did it. It absolutely ruined some of the falls that were in the Columbia. It absolutely actually changed the whole face of the Columbia itself. Like the um, the what are the falls? What are the falls that are supposed to be named that are now underwater? Oh, I don't remember. Right. Um, there's a there's a set of there's a waterfalls of waterfalls. Yeah, there's a yeah. There's three of them that are now underwater because of the Bonneville Dam, hmm. and it sucks. But we have some of the biggest, largest, and most consistent power and energy out of the Bonneville Dam on the West Coast. And it's, uh, you know, like, industries like the, um, Google decided that they wanted to move one of their data centers to the Dalles because we have a consistent, calm, even power distribution. So one of their largest data centers is actually located in the Dalles just because we have reliable power constantly. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about, before St. Helens, you were talking about animals yeah. coming up the river yeah. and just like how interconnected it is to the yeah. ocean as well. It is. Um, like, we, like, sea lions come all the way up to Bonneville, which is well past the Dow, or what's, what, uh, well past, um, Multnomah Falls. And it's, it's into the gorge. It's like mid-level gorge. Mm -hmm. And we've had flatfish the entire time, like, um halibut and uh what are what are the other zebra Rockfish. what are the zebra flatfish yeah the the stripey flatfish that are like these are saltwater fish but they'll come all the way up like they don't they don't they don't care like the columbia is so big and moves so much and is so tidal one way or the other like, we have to dredge a lot, but we have to soul. dredge it. It's a zebra soul. A zebra soul. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I, like I was saying before, just yeah. how humbling it's been paddling up this river. Because <laughs> starting in Astoria, yeah. just with how big huge. that water is there, huge. being four miles wide and... yeah paddling out with the waves and the big boats and it was exhilarating but also so felt like I was in the deep end for sure so where you came in on the Washington side then clearly uh but close to shore yeah so I we we went across the bridge and uh we who's we <laughs> we as so my girlfriend Okay. Drove me across the bridge. Okay. And then um, once I was in Astoria, um, I had a friend, a good friend there, Diana Kirk. Um, stayed in her Airbnb. Okay. That's where I like, not, it was a big enough Airbnb, I could keep my boat in there and just get oh. everything ready. And uh, 
and then I. Um, oh my god! Okay. Yeah, it was a huge Airbnb. It was, it was awesome. No, that's not what I was. Oh my goding about. Go yeah. Ahead. So then, um, I the day the day of leaving, um, my girlfriend went home, and so um, I ended up uh, just wheeling my boat out to um, below. The, there's a there's a marina on the um, west side of the bridge yeah and so that's where i started and uh yeah there's a there's a little red uh shed that's kind of out on the marina or out on the dock yeah exactly that one yeah that one okay (laughs) yeah and um i mean it was it was windy it was windy and choppy and there was a northwest wind coming in so you know it's pushing towards the town and I'm yeah. paddling out there and still getting used to all my gear and everything. And, uh, like, I was loving it, but it was also enough to have me concerned. So so you started yeah. in... On the south side yeah. of the river. Yeah, on the south side of the river in Astoria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But my yeah. point was, I was really curious... You didn't cross the bar. No, no. I was initially thinking <laughs> of doing like, that. Holy. So the bar out of Astoria, out of the Columbia, is exactly where our entire um, Coast Guard trains. And they train on that bar transition because it is so violent. And it is so much, and it is so heavy. They train there, and they they choose to capsize boats in it. And they train our seamen in that, in the capsized boats, during that moment. Because it is the most violent... Consistent. Consistent moment that they can, they can process. That's where we train, <laughs> like our coast guard. I think not yeah. going over a, the bar in a canoe sounds like That's, a great idea. It sounds like a great idea to skip that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was told how don't dangerous do it. it was. And that 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 bar is serious. Yeah, paddling out of Astoria was was uh, already enough. Was already enough it was yeah. scary enough at yeah. that time yeah and uh once i once i actually i paddled down to pier 39 yeah. i believe mm-hmm. it's called yep and i pulled out my boat there and ended oh, okay. up wheeling it around tongue point because uh, yeah i was that's like fair. that's yeah. fair like that's it was already fair. freaky paddling yeah. into pier 39 because they had that big seawall so all yeah. the waves were bouncing off of that and yeah. i'm and i paddle in and then i'm paddling with like you're not doing. Yeah, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, once I got yeah. in there, there was it's like not happening. There was like 150 sea lions, yeah. you know, and it was, that was pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, cool, pretty lines. fun. Yeah, mm, it sucks. Yeah. So once I once I got to Pier 39, I I pulled my boat out, wheeled around Tongue Point, and then the next day I paddled through Old Man Slough, yeah. and that was. It was like night and day. It was like that makes old sense. man slew was great because I went with the tide and we're putting nine. There you go. 
nine foot title difference. Yep. Actually managed to get a, a tailwind well, as well. And that's what I'm saying is like most people don't understand like the Columbia is so damn big. It's title the entire way up until yeah. the first down. Like well, nobody gets that as an idea unless you're. Yeah, I mean, I to be fair, like on the river. it was great until just past Kathlamet, yep. and then with the amount of flooding that we're getting right now, it's bad. It's bad. Like even with well, the tide, it's still going downstream. And that's yeah. why I yeah. called. That's it's why it's better, called, but it's not. That's why I called Johnny. <laughs> like it's going upstream anymore. That's, yeah. That's, that's why I called my boy Johnny. I was like, "Hey, what the hell, man?" <laughs> yeah. You know, like he was like, "Uh huh, don't." Like wait four or five days. Yeah, and I mean, like to get literally the, the so guy, many. the guy that controls every single dam from here all the way to Canada was like, you don't want to, you don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be traveling on the river right now. You do not want to be wait four or five days. So what you're doing right now, while I, while I respect it. <laughs> Um, literally the guy that's in control of it says no. <laughs> yeah. I know, and I mean, uh, I respect I, that. I, but I also feel like people underestimate the power of the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> because the canoe, and I mean that, I mean that in the sense that yeah. the canoe can just sort of dance uh, yeah, over the I water. Mean, yeah. You're, which I love. You're, like, you're running on top of the water. Your draft is like a foot. Exactly. So you're, like, like you're big not boats. touching anything. The big boats, the way that like they're getting pushed around. 13 to 28 feet draft. They're getting all the push. They're getting all the whatever. That's, yeah. the, that's the difference of the boat that we're disassembling currently. The one that, like, she had a three foot draft. And so when, like, a full 35 foot wood boat supposed to be super stupid heavy, right? And you expect oh, it, like... she has. You could just, like... And push her across the entire marina with no. one hand. Like, because it was just so high in the water. And yeah. you're like, whoop, whoop. Yeah, and I mean, my just, canoe like, is everywhere. white water. probably... Yeah, exactly. Canoe is probably the same way. It's built, it's built for yeah. white water, and yeah. you just know that, like... Yeah. Like, I feel so what, uh, comfortable in it because I know yeah. that, like, What's it's weighted. What's she made out of? It's, um, it's made of Royal X. Okay. So it's a, it's a polymer material yep. that's, it's, it's flexible, so it bends rather than gets punctured like, cav like, uh, um, the fiberglass, yeah. but it's a lot lighter as well. So yeah. it's a lot lighter than aluminum. So, you know, my yeah. whole boat weighs yeah. about 50 pounds. Yeah. Well, here's the unique thing but, about the boat yeah. that I'm paddling in is that my dad um, would he only paddled Mad River canoes. Sweet. Which okay. is like, and this specific design, Revelation, yep. um, he had like a few variations of this boat that I grew up paddling. Yeah. And that and that was it. Yeah. You know, and so. So it's a really comfortable boat for you. I grew up paddling these boats, yeah. and yeah. they're discontinued. Like. They right. stopped, discontinued them sometime in the 90s, I believe. Yeah, it was like mid-90s, late, mm, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Somewhere in that range, yeah. yeah. And so I found one well, on Facebook Marketplace. Because they stopped using the same resin. That's right, yeah. 
And so finding this on Facebook Marketplace, it was kind of like a, it was kind of a miracle. Yeah. And now I'm just paddling something that I'm so comfortable in. It was, it, well, it, it feels like it's almost like it's meant to be. And it also harkens back to you and an attachment to your dad, right? Like, exactly, and so you sure. have to think about that in a different way. Like, you think about that in a very subtle way of, like, this harkens back to your childhood, but it also hits with how you how you were associated with your father at that time, and it blends that in. So, yeah, the paddling is a little bit easier. Because you have a good repertoire with all of that. I feel at and peace it, out there. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel at peace. Where's your, um, if you don't mind, <coughs> if you don't mind me asking, where's your father at today? Yeah, he's, um, he's up in the Yukon. Okay. Yeah, and so I, I'll call him on the river. But he's still here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Um, okay. still lives up in the Yukon hunting every fall. And good. Lives in a big house that he built himself with his dog. So he's so really. Where I grew up. So yeah. really, then, paddling that boat at that time really connects you to exactly who you were and who you knew your father was at that time, and it brings back and it harkens a very easy and lovely time, and you respect that moment. Yeah, and also I just grew up, growing up paddling that boat, those yeah. boats, it, 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 I just feel very comfortable in the water, yeah, just from exactly. a practical sense. Exactly. And so, I, you're right, I have that, like, emotional connection to it, yep. but I also have this practical sure. experience where when sure. I'm out there with Absolutely. the waves and the tides and the winds, like, right. like the other day, I'm, I'm crossing the river to get into Kalama, yep. and the tide is going out. The wind is pushing against yep. the tide. And you know exactly how to do it. You know how to cut that, drive that curve. Yeah, and I mean, I'm coming I'm coming around the point of an island, and yep. then there's this big tanker there. Yep. I go around the tanker, and then there's a barge coming the other way, and I'm between the two of them with all the waves and the wind and, and the tide, and I'm just, just at peace. Like, I just know Good. I'm going to be fine. And that's See? such a powerful feeling. From from this perspective, from over here, it's so beautiful to hear something like that because it's 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 so telling about what you're doing, and it's so telling about like where your technical knowledge is, and the technical knowledge on one side of it of like, well, I need to do this, I need to do that. Here's the wind shear. Here's the water. Here's where this is gonna flow. I need to do this. But truthfully, the background is, you have a little bit more in that, where you, res like, there's a little spiritual side to that, right? And there's a little bit more on that background, and there's a little bit more that follows you through, and that comes with you. And that, on the technical side, great, but that that spiritual side hits really hard and that's what separates a lot of people that they don't get it you can be absolutely technical about what you're doing but it takes all of it in connection to be good at what you're doing and what you're doing is very good and if you don't have both of them playing 
in tandem, you're, you can't be, you can't do what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, there is that element of just loving what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I love it, and I feel at peace out there, even when it's hard. Yeah. Even when it's hard work. Because yep. the technical people will quit. Yeah, and so... The spiritual people that are doing it will do it, but they'll fight the entire time. You're right in the middle, and you're right where you need to be. And you'll do it, because technically you know what you're doing. Spiritually, you know right where you're at. You know where you need to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's an element where I'm not, I'm not thinking about the Correct. technical. Yep. I'm just. It's just second nature. It feels like I'm just yep. doing what I've learned. Correct. Because I've doing it my, done it my whole life. It's just, it's second nature. It's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a certain amount of knowledge, no doubt, about but on adapting. Both sides. You know, adapting to the Columbia, Columbia River. Correct. Learning about the tides and yeah. the specifics of the river itself. Yeah. That's what I'm adapting to and right. learning. But then that but is immersed into but that's what I've challenge, found. Right? That's what that's what you're really hunting. That's what you're really looking for. You know how to do it all day long. You have the drive for it. You know how the you know how it's going to be done. You know what to look for. It's believing in yourself. You know, believing in your abilities. The challenge is, what's the river going to do to you? How do you mm -hmm. learn it? How do you how do you get over it? It's that respect, right? Uh huh. Like, you need to have exactly. that respect. Exactly. To just adapt and yep. say, and also know when to not go on the river. Yes. Like, tomorrow, I'm not going to go on the river. Right. Because Cause... of record floods. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, at least, as far as I'm, as far as what we've learned. Did, did I forward you Johnny's information yet? Or did I not? I'm not sure. It's okay. okay. Yeah. I, I will. Okay. Though. Well, I was like, did I not? Did I? Did I not? Um. But yeah, he will. He will tell you like when the dams are open, when these oh, things are going on. He specifically said that he, he didn't know the when people. the yeah he didn't know when the the oh, when the locks were going on, but he'll at least know when he's turning on or off the yeah. dams. He'll know when you can, because I think like Bonneville, I think Bonneville's locks are on the north side. Oh, I'm pretty confident. So you're going to have to cross the river at some point in time oh, to get into the locks. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Like, you're going to have to cross a few things to get into the locks. Yeah. To get up. That's okay. I've, I've crossed, crossed the river several times, so... But with it being this shitty... Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till it... Okay. That's the thing. Like, I'm not going to go up. I'm not going to be there... Okay. Anytime soon. Okay. Like, my plan is like, that's that's probably Slow, one of my easy. Yeah, that's probably one of the it. things that has allowed me to be so successful. Yeah. With some of these long distance journeys, yeah. is that I have a lot of creative projects. I I'm interested in people. I'm interested in places. How's the uh How's the social media been on? Like, it's a grind, right? Hmm. Oh, social media. How's that been? Yeah, I mean, I feel mm. like I have found a good balance for it because i know it's yeah. not for everybody it's not for everybody no and i totally respect that but i think for myself yeah i like that i'm connecting with people from all of different parts of the world i love that part but like yeah the most people don't understand that like producing content 
or creating content or just the constant updates. They don't understand how much that actually takes. a lot takes. of work. Oh my god. Yeah. The amount of work that that takes and they don't really get it. So how are you finding time with <laughs> canoeing and paddling goddamn upstream of a of a major river and still having your time to produce some sort of content to your fans. It's not, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, it's, I think they yeah. need to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's been tough to, to find the time, but at the same time, I, I'm, I like to produce content that's meaningful. Right. I like to produce exactly. content that is going to reach people and connect with them and, you know, people can listen back on this. Um, it's not like content that is yeah. well, going to age in a day. Like yeah. people can listen to an interview and and listen to the right. insights and perspectives and right. and the di- and the and the dynamic um, of you know what we're talking about and right. be like, whoa, there's something really cool there. And that's what I go for, where where people like can draw upon that in their own unique way. It takes a lot to produce that level of content and still do the thing that you're doing and what you're doing like we talked about it a couple of times tonight where you're like eh, I'm going to take two or three days to get up to Columbia because it's the right thing that you need to do for health and safety reasons yeah. well I'm also like playing shows too like right? legit gigs you're, yeah you're doing everything else in between and so like my main things is like okay so I've I've got this podcast yep. I've got my music and then on top of that then I'm posting updates and videos exactly and so and journaling you know every night I try to journal every day um and so there's I have two different journals that I do so those are my projects but the beautiful thing about that is that it allows it keeps me busy and interested in what I'm doing even when it's flooding because right. then I have two or three days yeah. and to fill out something else. Yeah, to work to on these other things. And yeah. But then on top of that all, like the most important thing to me is just connecting with people and having this amazing exactly. experience. So And a lot of people don't understand what level of work that takes on its own. And to do something like what you're doing, plus producing something like this on top of it, plus producing all the other things that you're producing, people just don't understand how much actual work it takes to do all of that, let alone the actual thing you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's feeling good through effort, you know? Yeah. That's the feeling is like, and and it it becomes like um it becomes like a, a virtuous cycle almost because yeah. I see the results right and I and it's like I have those yeah. magical moments I have those great connections with people right you know it, and having some kind of structure like a very simple structure where I'm like I get into a town I want to play music I want right. to meet good people have conversations with interesting people yeah and like those are things I'd want to do yes. Even if I wasn't doing a podcast Correct. or anything. Correct. But having that structure helps. Helps in motivating yep. me to 
to really to to go yeah. after it. We pick weird lives. Yeah, right? clearly. Yeah, like clearly I've we picked, each I've other picked a strange life. You've picked a strange life. That's why we're here <laughs> today. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that, like, you know, it like it's a it's a moment in time that I feel from the outside looking in on somebody else who has done something completely out of the realm that I would never consider doing to watch what you're doing to watch your struggle to watch the life that you're living to haul you into a bar randomly to let you pick a guitar up and like listen to your songs and do everything like from the outside looking in and listening to what you're doing I completely respect everything you're doing and I love every bit of it the people that are on the other side of this podcast don't understand the amount of effort it takes to produce the podcast alone let alone what you're doing oh thanks <laughs> and um yeah it's uh i'm just grateful i'm grateful to be out here and I'm grateful to meet awesome people like you guys and talk about strange things yeah and talk about i hope the rest of your yeah. journey goes very well oh, thank you so you you've done a lot in st helens yeah when it comes to helping with these pubs and yeah working towards the revitalization and of working towards our community of this place yeah and so what does that mean to you and and what is your process being in that a really hard question um i've done a lot of weird shit in my life um i just i saw a i saw a moment in this community in which that it needed somebody to champion it and i hate to use that word and i hate to use that term but i saw that like Basically, the old guard was taking control over what storefronts were opening and what food carts were allowed to be around and what restaurants were allowed to be opened. And like, like I don't, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see more options. And I want to see more things. And I want to see more small businesses be able to be kicked open. And the change that I hear from a lot of them is like, oh, Portland is coming this way. You're goddamn right it is. But it's not something you can resist. It's something you need to turn to and embrace. Because the major cities, something like Portland... Something like Chicago, something like New York, something like you know, Tampa. They're gonna they're gonna breach your small little outskirts. They're gonna come in. 
because that's how it's going to happen. Um, Vancouver to, you know, Victoria Island. Same same exact deal. Like, it's going to happen. Whether you want it to or not, it's just a matter of time. So your chances are, choices are, embrace it. Or try to fight it? But the fight's never going to happen. No, it's going to happen. You're just not going to win. Correct. <laughs> so you might as well just bear in, shoulder up, and, be, and let it happen. Be a part of the growth. And be, yeah, and be part of the growth and help the, the contour that you want. And that goes with a lot of things in life, truthfully. Things change, and they're always going to change. And that's how life works. That's how the river works. That's how you work. That's how I work. That's how everything works. The change's going to happen. So, you can fight it all you want, but it's going to win at the end of the day. It's absolutely going to win. Always. So you can either play along with it, and you can kind of tune it to how you want to go, or you can fail completely and be kicked back to the ocean. I've been trying to find a find a room, find you know eighteen thousand square foot as a makerspace. I've been trying to find some place to. Somewhere between a room and 18,000 square feet. Yeah. 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 Somewhere in there. To showcase, like, here's my shop. Here's what I do. Here's what I run. Here's what we've run for years. Here's the business that we used to run. I want you to be able to come in and, you know, like, use tools and use equipment and rent some space and do some other... You know, without getting very hard into it, a makerspace for businesses and people and starting starting small businesses and creating an incubator for a lot of people in town. Because um, I think it's I think it's important, um, and we don't have anything like that out here. I want to see a lot of this community grow, and I think it has a lot of potential for very heavy growth if it's led correctly and if it's led to the moment that it's allowed to have that growth and currently what I see and what I think the politics are working for are old style politics they're old guard and they don't want anything to change, and they don't want Portland coming into their community. And I think that, uh, well, moving in from Portland... You're invading. Apparently I'm invading, you know. Well, the funny thing about local is that, yeah, at some point you weren't local. You know, like, right. it's always, that's how it right. always is. Right. At and some point in time, you were never local. Yeah, or some, or your parents, right. or whoever. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's important yeah. to, like you were saying, when it comes to change, um, do you want to stay in an 
economically depressed place for an indefinite period of time or <laughs> are you ready to Apparently. take that leap to exactly create some place that people actually exactly. want to live exactly and it's not about exactly. necessarily just live. economics right it's live, about work and play and i can tell yeah. you you have to have can, all of those yeah. elements and i can tell you as yeah. as a bartender as the things that i have correct that, that i have with as the other bartenders in town that i've helped grow all of their sales have gone up exponentially because of that growth because of that change mm -hmm. i have the numbers the data is beautiful mm -hmm. yeah like, i mean there's there's so much to talk about when it comes <laughs> to good data right let's not even get there but yeah the data <laughs> on it is beautiful yeah just and to see progress yeah. yeah and that's it it's not about anything else it's not about changing the atmosphere it's not about changing the aesthetics it's not about it's just about making things better yeah. and yeah. making things work and the, the data behind it beautiful absolutely beautiful Thank you for joining me for today's episode of the Journey to the Heart podcast. For regular updates about my canoe journey across America, my music and other creative projects, be sure to check out my Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube pages at Torlokes and Tornlokes. Don't forget the silent H. You can also follow my journey and join my mailing list at www.tornlokes.com.